Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Liz Wheeler Show. Happy day after the Super Bowl. It's actually very strange to me that employers force people to go to work the day after the Super Bowl. I don't get this at all. Everyone stays up very late. Everyone, most people get together with friends. There is a lot of drinking that goes on. It's not exactly how people usually behave the evening before they go back to work for the week. Like most people don't go out and party on Sunday night. Most people don't go out even to sports bars on on Sunday night. Um, but the Super Bowl, people do. And so it seems strange to me that employers have their employees come into work, um, especially because, listen to these statistics. I Googled it because I wondered how many people call out sick on Monday morning after the Super Bowl. It's a, it's a higher number than I thought. A total of 16 million Americans are expected to skip work today on Monday, the day after the Super Bowl. Eight million of them, so half of these people, have the decency to um, request the day off in advance, ask for that Ask for that day ahead of time. That means eight million of you guys are calling in sick, like your boss isn't gonna know that it was just because you had too many chicken wings and too much beer. 16 million people are skipping work today, which if I'm an employer, I don't think that makes any sense then to just give people the day off, right? Like. Just give them the day off. The percentage of the total workforce, there are 163.5 million people total in the workforce in the United States right now. That means 10% of the workforce calls out the day after the Super Bowl. And this is not even fully reflective of the reality of the thing because of the demographic between the ages of 18 and 34, 20% of people in that age demographic call out the day after the Super Bowl. 20%, one out of every five people in 18 to 34 call out, don't come in. Half of them maybe plan it in advance, half of them don't. So that's that's a pretty big percentage. I don't know any other day that that many people call out of work. I could be wrong on that, but this doesn't even take into account. So when I say one out of every 10 people are took the day off today or called out sick, this doesn't take into account people who are working night shift people who are working weekends. This is only taking into account the people who would maybe show up for work at 8 a.m. on Monday morning. So here's what I would do if I was an employer. I would switch off days. There are some federal holidays that, that I would be happy. I would be happy to trade for the day after the Super Bowl. I would be happy to trade Labor Day. No one needs Labor Day off. No one, half the people, most people, not even half, way more than half. The majority of people don't even know what Labor Day is about. They enjoy the three-day weekend, sure. But I bet People would trade Labor Day for, I would trade Labor Day in a heartbeat, especially because I don't like the origins of Labor Day. I would trade the day after Super Bowl Sunday in a heartbeat. I would also trade President's Day. Yes, I know, that makes me sound so unpatriotic, but you know me, I'm not. Here's the thing, I'm not opposed to celebrating President's Day or Washington's birthday. I think it's actually a great idea. The thing is, do you know the date of Washington's birthday? Can you actually name the date of the year? what month and what day it is. And when you get President's Day off, if you get President's Day off, do you do anything to celebrate the men who have been president of the United States, to honor our heritage, anything? No, of course not, none of us do. 
because we don't actually celebrate the holiday of President's Day. We just, it's just a bank holiday. It's just a federal holiday. I would trade President's Day the way that we celebrate it for um, Super Bowl Monday, I like to call it. Not, not that I'm advocating for us to forget the presidents. It would actually be great if we made it another July 4th, right? But we don't. So given the reality, we should trade it. This one, I'd trade MLK Day too. Oh, I know that one's gonna be so controversial because there's a racial element. It's not because I'm opposed to celebrating civil rights. Obviously, we have a we have a ton to celebrate. We o- we have overcome so much and restored the founders' original vision for our nation. And it's been an incredible trajectory that our country has taken. Of course, we should celebrate that. But that's not what we celebrate on Martin Luther King Day. I mean, we have we have sunk to the low. We're on Martin Luther King Day. We're unveiling these weird phallic-looking modern art sculptures in Boston and pretending that that honors civil rights in some way? I don't think so. The left just claims that everyone's white supremacist, so I would, I would trade MLK Day. Here, here's the final one that I would offer, that I would offer. And I, you, guys can, you guys can submit your offers here. I would trade New Year's Day. Everyone gets New Year's Day off, and I don't know about you, but I usually have uh, very low-key New Year's Eves. I do not go out and rage. No, unless you're in Times Square on the camera, I don't believe that people have a raging good time on New Year's Eve. Nobody really does that. Everyone talks about it. Once in a while, you'll go to a party or a wedding where you'll get all dressed up and you'll put it on Instagram. But most people don't do raging New Year's Eve's party at New Year's Eve parties. So New Year's Day, why do we need that off? I'd trade it for the day after the Super Bowl. Um, and while we're at it, while we're at it making these big structural changes, let's also make daylight savings time permanent. It seems like it's in the same category as the day after the Super Bowl. Um, okay, the Super Bowl itself. Some people said, oh, you know, it wasn't that political this year. I disagree. I want to talk about a couple of the ads. I want to talk about the halftime show. And I want to talk about why the Super Bowl will always be political, regardless of um, who performs the halftime show and whether there's kneeling and whether the Black National Anthem is played and all of that. So let's get to it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. So let's analyze the Super Bowl ads. The good ones, the bad ones. And I don't know. They're just not as funny as they used to be. Here's what I would do. Here's what I would do if I were an advertiser and I wanted exposure at the Super Bowl because of the Super Bowl on TV with the Super Bowl. Especially this year, I would rent a UFO and I would fly it. I know that there's a a no-fly zone over the Super Bowl and all around to protect it and all that. I'd fly it nearby enough that it would be noticed. I'd hire just a gigantic white balloon. I'd fly it real high, like 40,000 feet up, 60,000 feet up. And on the side of it, I would print in, in black letters so that it's a contrast to the white balloon. I would print a giant QR code on it so that um, so that when I tweeted it out with the caption, look, a UFO, then, you know, voila, everyone would run the QR code through their phone and I would get a ton of clicks on my website. It would be the most viewed ad in history if someone had pulled that off. And you would say you wouldn't have to clean it up because, you know, the U.S. Air Force would just shoot it down and then they would pick up the remains and confiscate them and you wouldn't even have to do a trash cleanup. So 
I mean, I'm, I'm full of good ideas like this, and I charge very reasonable rates for my advertising consulting. We are going to talk about the UFOs, though, that have been shot down all across the United States in the past two days. What are We're up to like four of them now. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes because I have many, many thoughts on that. But first, let's talk Super Bowl stuff. So the Super Bowl in and of itself is an inherently political event. It has to be. And I'm not talking about the kneeling for the national anthem. I'm not talking about the, the, the black fist raised. I'm not talking... I'm not even talking about the NFL yet. We'll get to all of that stuff in a minute. But aside from the football of the thing, the the Super Bowl has to be a political event, right? Because over 200 million people watch it. 200 million people is a ton of people. That's more people. And I know this this 200 million people, they're not just people in the United States, and some of them are younger than voting age, but the sheer volume of people is more than the number of people who voted in the 2020 presidential election. That was like 150, 160 million people. This is more people than that. So the Super Bowl is an inherently political event because there is literally no other event hosted in the United States where you can get your message in front of more people all at once than you can with a Super Bowl ad. That's why they have such exorbitant prices, right? This is not new information. But this is why the Super Bowl, regardless of who performs at halftime, regardless of what the players are doing, if they're engaging in political activism, regardless of whether the NFL is woke, all of that, it's going to be rife with politics because companies right now, our corporations in our country are are captured by essentially ESG ratings that are forcing them to be woke. And by woke, I mean forcing them to push governmental and social and environmental policies that are aligned with a radical leftist agenda. So the companies, they're not just trying to convince you to purchase their product. They also have a political agenda that they're that they're simultaneously or sometimes not even equally. Sometimes they're prioritizing the political agenda over the product that they're trying to sell. We're going to see that in the ads, and ads are a huge part of the Super Bowl. They used to be a lot funnier. I mean, I grew up with a with the uh, Bud Light WhatsApp commercials, and I think I think we all we all are nostalgic for that. The early two thousands, those types of commercials. Um, but there I, there was a consensus political message. Um, in, in many of these ads, not all of them, not all of them, but in many of these ads, there was kind of an underlying theme that seemed to, that seemed, that seemed, uh, to be cohesive, meaning it seemed like it was the same underlying message in several of these ads. So let's break it down before we even get to the ads though. Um, the national anthem thing, let's talk about that for a second. The national anthem thing. So they had the national anthem of the United States sung, but before that, they had what's, uh, I hate to even use this phrase because I don't want to describe this song as this because I reject the premise of it, but they had what they call a black national anthem. Um, this is this is, this is is a little clip of it. Lift every voice I see Till earth and I reject the premise of a black national anthem. And this is especially ironic, I think, given that this is happening in Black History Month, because when Black History Month, as soon as it started, it's in February, the first day of Black History Month, the catchphrase 
that is that had been obviously passed around as a talking point among all of the liberal institutions, all of the all of the leftist pundits, is black history is American history. That's the phrase you'll hear it repeated everywhere on Twitter, on cable news, in classrooms. Black history is American history. Now, I don't disagree with that phrase. I disagree with what the left means when they say that phrase, but in and of itself, of course, black history is American history, right? It's it's history is history. History is not is not history with a particular lens unless you have a political agenda. History is supposed to be um, an account of what happened and an account of why what happened happened. So the history of black people in the United States shouldn't be separate. The history of black people is part of the history of the United States. Okay, that's not controversial. The left, of course, is just trying to mix in critical race theory. So their phrase is, is drugged with their own ideology. But, but this month, February, Black History Month. We're told that black history is American history. And you can't marry that that idea that the left is offering us, that the left is proposing, with the fact that we have two separate national anthems. Either black history is American history, and therefore it's one country, or you have separate national anthems and our country is segregated into white this and black this and black this and white this. You can't have it both ways. Either black history is American history, and we have one national anthem, or you're trying to separate and divide everyone. So the left essentially betrays the fact that their Black History is American History phrase is not actually what you and I would understand that phrase to mean, which is taking it literally that, yes, of course, history is history, and anyone who took part in it, anyone who impacted it, anyone who was impacted by it should be reflected in that that narrative of history. But history to the left, of course, is a political is a political narrative, meaning they have a political agenda inherent to it. Um, so the NFL, the, the NFL's role in the politicizing of the Super Bowl, it was still evident. We didn't see players kneeling for the national anthems. I think that they avoid showing that because they know that it lost them so much viewership. It lost them so much revenue because it lost them so much viewership. But the NFL is still doing things like playing the Black National Anthem, which is not only inherently political, it's very divisive and it's also false. It's not It's not real history. Um, however, I will say, if the NFL wanted to woo back some of the viewers that it lost, I have family members, by the way, who used to be huge NFL fans, who used to be never miss a football game, who don't even watch football anymore because the NFL politicized sports so much. My dad used to say, actually, that sports was the way that people escaped politics. It was the way of they just, they just enjoyed sports for sports. Um, and it was a way of not looking at the headlines for five minutes, for an hour, whatever, for three hours during a game. But when you cross those two things over, then sports loses some, loses some of some of its magic because it becomes fraught with what we deal with in every other aspect of our life, which is, um, you know, political political divide. And in this day and age, in our era of politics now, outright poison and hatred and violence and stuff you really would like to get away away from when you're watching sports, but. This almost got me. I will say one really nice moment in the NFL was during the national anthem of the United States, not divided by by color. This is not for white people or for black people. This is for all of us um, to see some of uh, this. This is actually a coach, not a player, but to see this coach crying while the national anthem is playing. Take a look at this. I gotta tell you, when I saw that play, that gave me all the feels. I saw that and I thought, wow, if the NFL wants to 
bring back some of the people that they have lost because the reason that so many people stopped watching the NFL is because they were offended by disrespect to the flag, which meant disrespect to our country, a country that we love, a country that we're proud of. This is what I would show if I were the NFL because that's touching. It's moving to see someone who's so proud of his country that it brings him to tears. That's very touching. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So fast forward to Rihanna's halftime show. There are three elements of Rihanna's halftime show that I think are worth discussing. I think I might have been the only person last night, at least the only person on Twitter, who was not happy about Rihanna's show. There were a lot of conservatives. Actually, I was surprised when I was scrolling through Twitter last night, which is where you see, I mean, the more the more global reaction to live events like this. I was surprised at how many Republicans and conservatives were like, oh, I really enjoyed Rihanna's halftime performance. I didn't think it was that bad. It wasn't that sexual. There wasn't anything offensive. She was fully clothed. That was pretty good. I barely had to turn the kids away. Um, I highly disagree with that. I maybe, I maybe I'm one of the only people that feels that way. Maybe you feel this way too, but... Uh, Rihanna started her performance touching her crotch. She spent half of her performance with her hand between her legs. Children are watching the show. First of all, I don't want to watch that. No, thank you. I don't want to watch that. It's degrading to it's degrading to herself. It's degrading to women. And the Super Bowl is something that families watch together. And I say that in co- with kind of sadness because you can't watch it with your family anymore if you want to shield your children from this kind of stuff. If you want to shield them from from this kind of graphic sexual behavior and teach them to respect their sexuality, respect their own bodies, if you have sons, respect women, then you can't can't watch this stuff with your family anymore. And that's sad because this should be an event that is really fun for the whole family. So she was touching her crotch the entire time. She was fondling her breasts. Again, imagine having like a 13-year-old son. You can't even let him watch sports anymore because what, you're going to turn on the halftime show and he's going to watch this very attractive uh, singer fondle her breasts. What, what feelings are you trying to spark in this young man? Is that wholesome? No, it's not wholesome. Is that harmful? Of course it's harmful. It's, so I did not think that this was this innocuous performance. Maybe the fact that so many, even on our side, thought it was innocuous shows how desensitized we are in our culture to the level of toxicity, the level of degradation, especially towards sexuality and women, And I know I'm on my soapbox here, but every lyric of those songs, we all know those songs, of course we do. Every lyric of those songs is about getting naked and doing this and doing that. And all I could think of, I mean, my my daughter stayed up to watch uh, the football game. I mean, she's two, she kind of, she can say football. 
she did not watch the halftime show. She's two years old and I don't want her to see that because kids soak that stuff up. Pop culture today is so toxic. Um, on a less political note here, what was this, what was her performance sponsored by COVID? All those people, all of her backup dancers in those hazmat suits, my friend texted me the funniest thing during the halftime show. She was like, well, I wonder if they were all wearing, all the backup dancers were wearing hazmat suits so they didn't get her sick because she looks like she's pregnant. And I think she's pregnant. There was a little bit of uncertainty on, on online last night. Was she, was she pregnant? Did she just have a baby and her body, you know, you could still see that on her, on her tummy or... Um, was there in fact a baby on board? I don't know, but I thought that text was hilarious. Maybe they're wearing hazmat suits so they don't get her sick because she's pregnant. Yes, while performing in the middle of how many people are in that stadium. Um, I don't think they had masks on. I don't, I don't know why they were dressed like that, but there was also a lot of talk online about the color of the outfit that Rihanna was wearing. It was, it was in, at some angles, it looked bright pink and I half expected it all of a sudden for her to be like sponsored by T-Mobile. And from some angles, it didn't look quite as pink. It looked a little more red, a little like orangey red, like a little bit like Sam Smith's outfit from the Grammys. You remember that? And so this photo, this compilation photo, by the way, before we put this on the screen, I do have to warn you, like, watch out. You're gonna, this, uh, this photo is gonna burn your eyes at every turn, but go ahead and put it on the screen because I wanna, I wanna talk about it for a second. So this photo was going around. It was, this compilation photo was tweeted out. Uh, I think it was by Viva. I think it was by Viva. Um, and it is obviously Rihanna on the top left and then Sam Smith in, oh gosh, I'm sorry, you had to even look at that, on the top right, Lizzo on the bottom left and Dylan Mulvaney, the transgender days of girlhood, you remember him, on the bottom right. That is, and they're all wearing this very distinct color, this sort of scarlet red. Actually it is, it's like Handmaid's Tale red, right? This very scarlet red. And the reason that this picture was circulating is because there's discussion online, theorizing online. You can call it a conspiracy theory if you want. That's fine. That's no longer an insult. <laughs> it is, I suppose, a theory about a conspiracy that there's some kind of satanic cult in Hollywood and that this is the color that they wear. Whether that's true, whether that's not, I don't know. I certainly am not offended by the term conspiracy theory anymore. And after seeing Sam Smith's performance at the Grammys as Satan surrounded by demons last week, I certainly wouldn't put them past it or put that past them. Um, if, if Rihanna is pregnant, I think that's wonderful. I guess that would be a political message, but I don't know that I don't know that, that was the most prominent political message. The most prominent political message was the over-sexualization and you know, her touching her body in a degrading way. So I didn't like it. I don't know what you guys, what you guys thought of it. Um, the commercials, the commercials were a little underwhelming. There weren't, they weren't, there was one, there was one really good one that I liked and we'll get to that in a, in a minute, but there was a theme that I noticed for these, for this year's commercials. I don't know if these big corporations that pay for, that pay for these commercials, whether they discuss what they're going to promote, whether they coordinate narratives at all, or whether they are just so ideological, ideologically identical because of their, their adherence to ESG that they quote-unquote coincidentally reached the same narrative, but there did seem to be a theme for some of these years' commercials. It was kind of this weird um, anti-religion theme coupled with instead of a traditional Judeo-Christian religion, we're offering you something else that you can worship, another cult that you can, that you can, <laughs> um, that you can replace religion with. So the avocado commercial, by the way, this is not political at all. This is just a thought that I had 
Are, do avocados need advertisement? Doesn't everyone love avocados and doesn't everyone buy them? Aren't they always sold out? It surprised me that avocados, or what is it, like avocados from Mexico, needed a commercial at the Super Bowl. I thought that was one of the most popular foods that there is, but apparently, apparently they need some advertising. Um, but the avocado commercial, um, let's go ahead and watch this first. Go ahead. Eve, what's going on? I might have taken a small bite. Adam. I'm naked! Oh. Hey, try this. They make everything better. Avocados from Mexico. It's a perfect day, the big avocado. Midtown is traffic free. In fashion, naked is all the rage. You were right. Avocados make everything better. Ah, sweet liberty. Now that's a tourist attraction. Avocados from Mexico. I kind of thought, I felt like that was sacrilegious. When I saw, I actually saw it before the Super Bowl because uh, it was going around, it was going around online. Some of the ads were before the Super Bowl actually aired, but I thought it was sacrilegious to take the story of Adam and Eve. This is like a pivotal story in um, the Christian religion, in the Jewish religion too, actually. But in the, in the Christian religion, the, the majority of our country is Christian. So it's appropriate to look at, look at politics through that lens. Um, Adam and Eve is a pivotal story because obviously when, when Eve ate that apple, she was tempted by the serpent in the garden. She ate that apple after God had told Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree of good and evil. And she did it anyway after being tempted by Satan. And that's the fall of man. The reason we are sinners is because Adam and Eve did that in the garden. They disobeyed God. And the remedy for that, the remedy for that is Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to uh, give you a homily here. I'm not trying to give you a sermon. I'm just saying when you distort and you co-opt one of the key stories in Christianity, um, when it's so pivotal to salvation and it's so pivotal to the entirety of what we believe, it's very irreverent, it's very sacrilegious, and it's also a really subtle way of twisting that story and delegitimizing that story in the eyes of the public. This is, this is like, it's, well, it's a little bit actually like the serpent, like the serpent in the garden. It's subtle. It's very, it's a very subtle way of unseating Jesus. So instead of Jesus being the remedy that we all need, suddenly what something else is, some material item, something that gives us pleasure, some gratification. This is, this is not, this is, it, it might sound like a very small thing to do, but it's not when over 200 million people are watching it. That kind of narrative is actually how you change the culture. You don't change the culture by every week putting out a performance like Sam Smith pretending to be Satan at the Grammys. You change the culture bit by bit, moving the Overton window uh, away from what, 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 where it should be and towards the narrative that you want people to accept, towards the only narrative that you want people to accept. So I thought that that was a very, um, like I said, I felt, I felt uncomfortable watching that because I felt like it was very sacrilegious, very irreverent, and, and very insidious in the, in, the, in the sense that it was subtle, but that's exactly how you change the culture with a, with a commercial just like that. Likewise, the um, He Gets Us commercials. Now, these had gotten pretty widespread news coverage before the Super Bowl actually aired, um, but this one in particular um, I want to talk about, so let's go ahead and watch this one.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. The He Gets Us commercial is a little trickier because I liked it. When I watched that, I recognized, I mean, those were pretty viral things that had gone around, you know, the two babies, the the little black baby, the little white baby running to each other and hugging. That's a heartwarming video. There's a reason it went viral. It's because it warmed all of our hearts when we saw it. Um, it. It actually goes viral every couple of months. It continues to go viral as new people see it. And so it's heartwarming. You see that and you're like, that's really sweet. This is kind of the best of humanity. The evil is left aside. It's not one of those narratives that's like, here's the bad thing. Here's how to solve the bad thing or get away from the bad people. This is just sweet stuff, moving stuff. The problem is their message at the end, when they say Jesus didn't want us, doesn't want us to act like adults, um, that's not true. They're insinuating that Jesus wants you to act like a child, and that's a distortion of, of the Bible. It's a distortion of what Jesus actually wanted, because what Jesus told us is to have faith like a child. He told us to have faith like a child. That's very different than acting like a child, having faith like a child, having faith like a child. And I think every parent relates to this. Um, when your child is just so sure that you are going to do something for them, like, oh, I want to go to the park. And they just beg you to take them to the park, not because they're being a brat, not because they can't take no for an answer, but just because they're so sure you're going to fulfill that for them that they just know it's going to happen. That's what having faith it, faith like a child is like, where you're just so sure that God is going to take care of you, so sure that God has the best for you, that you thank him before those things happen. That's having faith like a child. That's what God calls us to do. That's what Jesus taught us. That's what that's biblical. What he gets us is promoting is a distortion of the Bible that might be a feel-good message, but any distortion of the Bible, no matter how good it might feel, is dangerous because it, it um, rearranges the building blocks of salvation, which doesn't end with salvation. So um, if you go to He Gets Us, if you go to their website, um, they also portray Jesus as an immigrant, as a radical. They insinuate that he, you know, took to the streets, describing him in a way that makes him sound like a Black Lives Matter or an Antifa thug. Um, and that that's simply not true. That's simply not true. Jesus was not like us. That's what set him apart, right? Jesus is, is it was made... Yes, he was human, but he was God at the same time. And the reason that he's special is not because he took to the streets. It's not because uh, he was a radical. The reason he's special is because he's God. The reason we need him is because he's God. The reason he can save us is because he's God. Again, not trying to give a lecture here, not trying to, not trying to give a homily. I just see these, these things. I mean, one of the problems in our culture is we've lost our faith. We've lost our religion. We've lost our grounding in um, in Christ and advertisements like this, I don't, I don't know 
if they and if they're trying to be intentionally misleading but this is what leads you towards the prosperity gospel and false prophets and things that take you further and further away from Christ so um a little bit of a theme that i think was was present in many of these commercials and then instead of god the radical left wants to present us with a new option you know a new deity a new religion the climate change cult and that was um, that was exemplified in Will Farrell's commercial. Take a look at this one. General Motors is going electric, and Netflix is joining in by including more EVs in their movies and shows. The least they can do. So if you're gonna get swarmed by an army of the dead, why not get swarmed in an EV? No, I said no biting. Or if you're being voluntarily kidnapped, why not be kidnapped in an EV? What's that scent? Is it pine? Now, should they add EVs everywhere? They shallant. They shan't. Is it shallant or shan't? It's neither. What about here, Erica? You're ruining the show, you idiot. What do you mean? It's me, Dusty. You're not. Yeah, you're right. This is ridiculous. Tammy, wait. Later, loser. But anywhere else, it makes sense. There goes another runner. Brad was so much better for you. You should have gone with Brad. Yeah, Brad. Are you serious? Why not make more of those cars electric? It's the least they can do. <laughs> Gordon, you kill me. I mean, you literally did kill me. You know what? I'm glad you bit me too. Okay. So, clearly, the left is offering us another religion to replace our religion. They are offering us the cult of climate change to replace our religion. And that's the problem with the electric vehicle push, right? Is they're not saying, oh, here's another option if you want. We're adding this to the market to compete. No, they are telling people that it is the only moral thing for them to do, the only moral way to own an individual vehicle, which, by the way, they don't even want us to do. They want us to take public transit. They want us to own a car in a group, a collective owning a car. But they want everybody to do it. And they ended the commercial by saying everybody in, everyone in. This is very cult-like behavior. This is very this is very creepy. And the way that you condition a population to accept that is first by destroying the religion on which they rely. So first the left comes in and they, they try to destroy Christianity and then they swoop in and say, well, you have this innate desire for something greater than yourselves. Why don't you, why don't you put electric vehicles and climate change? And you can feel like you're saving the world. You can use that as your religion. And it is a religion because it is not based on science. We know this, electric vehicles. First of all, if everyone in the country who owned, in our country, just ours, if everyone in the United States who owned a gas-powered vehicle replaced it with an electric vehicle, there is not enough lithium in the entire world to make enough batteries to operate that number of electric vehicles. And that doesn't even take into account all the other countries all over the world. So it's, it's not something that is practical. It's not something that's moral. We've seen those, those cobalt and those lithium mines where those children are working, children working in mines, but the, the, um, the environmentalists who claim that our, our planet is going to destroy the future for these children don't care about the children who are being destroyed by their electric vehicle push. So it's not practical, it's not moral, and it is cult-like because they're not just offering it as an option, they're trying to force it on you and the benevolent dictator that they are, they're doing it for your own good. That's the theme that I think was the driving theme behind the Super Bowl commercials, at least the arc of the political narrative. Again, the Super Bowl is going to be a political event, whether or not the NFL is woke, whether or not the players are kneeling, whether or not there's politics in the broadcast of the actual football game. It's always going to be political when there are over 200 million people who are tuned into an event like that, the largest 
population of people tuned into any single event in our country, of course, advertisers are going to want to capitalize on that, on pushing their agenda. And even corporations that have products are tied to the environmental, social, and governance metrics, the ESG initiatives that make their businesses not just about their business, but also about politics. That's what we saw. That's what we saw yesterday at the Super Bowl. There was one commercial that I didn't think was overtly political. I actually thought it was quite funny, and uh, it starred... Well, watch for yourself, this one. Welcome to Dunkin' and new special. Dunkin' run, medium or large coffee, get a donut for an incremental dollar. Well, well, like, how can it be this inexpensive and small. good? Cream, no sugar. I'm just gonna have to just give you 10 munchkins. You look a little lost. One second, I'm trying to find the bagels. Do I look familiar? Oh. Should I be in it or do you want just want this self portrait? What are you doing here? Harris me, if I'm Is my this friends. what you do when you say you're going to work all day? I, I gotta go, guys. Grab me a glaze. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. I actually really enjoyed that. First of all, it looks like they actually, they, it was Ben Affleck, obviously, at Dunkin' Donuts. Um, and it looked like the people driving in the drive, through the drive-thru actually were not actors. It looked like people drove through and, oh, he was just standing there, that they filmed it live. And then, of course, at the end, his wife, Jennifer Lopez, drove through. Pretty funny. I thought it was very well done. I enjoyed it. And it didn't seem to me to be overtly political beyond, <laughs> beyond the fact of... I guess, uh, how many times has Jennifer Lopez been married? Is that a good example? But whatever. In this case, I thought it was just funnier than the politics. So uh, there you go. Okay, I, I still reiterate what I said at the beginning, that if an advertiser actually wanted to get the most eyeballs uh, on their product, they should have purchased a UFO. They should have purchased a big white balloon like the Chinese spy balloons, and they should have flown it as close to the Super Bowl as they were allowed to fly it with a QR code on it, um, they wouldn't have even had to clean it up. The U.S. Air Force would have shot it down and cleaned up the remains, and it would have made the news. All you would have had to do is take a little photo, put it on Twitter, and be like, there's the UFO, another sighting, and everybody would have rushed to see what it was. Brilliant idea. I can't believe that none of these advertisers who spent how many, like $10, $20 million on these ads, nobody thought of that. Everyone should fire their advertising agency because it's a brilliant idea. But let's talk about these UFOs for a second. There is a lot of discussion about whether these UFOs, there's been four of them, that have been shot down over the United States or around the United States now, whether they're aliens, whether they are extraterrestrials. And I say this in this tone of voice because I think it is absolutely ridiculous. First of all, first of all, I hate to burst the alien people's bubble, and I'm not talking about the aliens bubble, the alien people here on Earth, meaning the people who are so obsessed with the idea of aliens. Aliens, the way that we picture them, like the little green men coming in the flying saucers, are a figment of someone's imagination. We literally just invented the idea that that's what an alien looks like, that's how they're coming here, or that they have any interest in coming here, or that they exist. This is like science fiction that people believe is real, which is kind of funny to me, except people really believe it. They really believe it. Um, the idea that something like these, these UFOs are extraterrestrial, that they're from the alien, is an obvious distraction technique. This is clearly the U.S. government not wanting to answer. This is the Biden administration, actually. It's not just the vague U.S. government. It's Biden and his team not wanting to answer to the American people about what happened with the Chinese spy balloon that traversed across our country before Joe Biden shot it down after it had collected all the data that it needed after going over those nuclear silos in Montana. 
Biden doesn't want to answer those questions. And so what do you do? Oh, maybe it's aliens. And then everyone gets all in a tizzy because there might be aliens coming to the United States. Um, and they don't want us to actually know the truth. So this is their distraction technique. First of all, why would aliens want to come here? I mean, did you see Sam Smith at the Grammys? Like, are you sure you're gonna wanna come and visit this place? Um, kidding. Probably Biden, here, here's what's probably happening. The most likely scenario is Biden is not shooting down other Chinese spy balloons. Most likely what he's doing is shooting down weather balloons. There are international treaties that allow countries around the world to fly these weather balloons over other, other countries' sovereign airspace. This, is, this has been going on for a long time. This is non-controversial. And um, this is most likely what is happening. Are, are, are all of these so-called UFOs that Biden is having the US military shoot down, are they all Chinese weather balloons? It doesn't seem like it. It seems like there are different, different aircrafts of different shapes and that Biden is just shooting them down. It actually reminded me of this video when Biden was talking about wanting to ban AR-15s. This is from years ago. He was talking about wanting to ban AR-15s and he was debunking the idea, or so he thought, that people, especially women, needed AR-15s in their homes for home defense. Uh, this is what Biden suggested that, that people do if they, have, if they have a home intruder instead. Take a look at this. So Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony here, or walk out, put that double barrel shotgun and fire two blasts outside the house. Just, just put that shotgun up in the air and fire two blasts. Yeah, maybe that's what we should have done with the uh, with, uh, Chinese spy balloon. Believe me, if the Chinese spy balloon had been lower than 60,000 feet, you better believe people would have shot it down doing that. Um, the Biden administration, let's be very clear here, the Biden administration was thoroughly embarrassed by the Chinese spy balloon. Um, the truth is they didn't know how to respond to the first one. They didn't want to provoke China. Joe Biden is pretty compromised by China through Hunter Biden. Um, they didn't want to, to push back on China's, on China's humiliating tactic. And so they were going to just let it go. They thought the American people wouldn't even notice this and that they could, they could brush it under the rug. They could allow the Chinese Communist Party to humiliate Biden. And they thought the voters wouldn't even see it. Uh, and maybe we wouldn't have because this was 60,000 feet above our country, except for a journalist saw it, snapped a picture, put it on Twitter. And then, and then thank goodness for citizen journalism, right? Or else we may not have noticed that this happened. And then it looked so bad for Biden to allow this Chinese spy balloon to traverse across the entire continental United States before he shot it down after it had already left the coast of Carolina. Like the epitome of weakness here. Um, now he's overcompensating and he's shooting down anything. The US government has said that they've tightened up their radars, which means that they're now detecting things like weather balloons, things that are allowed to be there. Um, that I, I, I would bet a large sum of money that that is what's going on here. And don't get me wrong, the Chinese have spy balloons. The US has spy balloons too. These are, these are actually a very good spying technique because they can loiter, because they don't make a lot of noise, because they can capture um, data and they can jam signals. They are a very useful spy technique. And if this Chinese spy balloon was loitering for almost any amount of time over those ICBM silos, in, in Montana, that's a big deal. That's very dangerous, which the American people understand, which is why the Biden administration is so thoroughly embarrassed about this story. I mean, think about the State of the Union. On the day the State of the Union address was given, the journalists that were asking Biden before the address were asking him questions, 
They weren't asking him about his speech. They weren't asking him about his guests. They weren't asking him about initiatives. They were asking him about the balloon. The Biden administration hates this, so they're overcompensating by shooting anything that they can find out of the sky to make them look like tough guys. Um, but are they tough guys? I think we're gonna find out the truth here because the United States Congress has an interest on behalf of us, the, the, the US citizenry, to know what is being shot down out of the skies over our heads. If this is a legitimate threat, we have a right to know, and it is known enough, meaning that the knowledge is widespread enough of what's going on that the American people are going to need to know. If the Chinese did send this spy balloon, not for the purposes of capturing data, but for the purposes of monitoring the Biden administration's response to a military incursion, then they certainly got their answer. If this was a literal test balloon to see how the Biden administration would respond to, say, a Chinese invasion of Taiwan, then Taiwan is not going to exist for very long. That is what I suspect happened with the Chinese spy balloon. The American people understand this. And so Biden is taking that double-barreled shotgun he was talking about in that video, and he's just aiming it up at the sky. And whatever's up there, he's going to shoot it down. He's going to shoot it down. Um, but we'll have to see how it turns out. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.